Welcome to another Pro Football Dog podcast. Very special off-season podcast today. First of all, because it's spring break and a little bit of daddy duty. I'm actually from the home studio, not at the office, but that's not the only reason. A couple other reasons. Uh, we got a fun-filled podcast today dealing with trivia, trolling, the 17-game season, you know, uh, some uh, what happened here videos, end of an era, lots of fun stuff, but mostly because of my special guest for two reasons. Number one, I'm going to try and butcher his name, so don't laugh at me. Number two, it's somebody who I have enjoyed in my time watching him on ESPN. He has a very special and unique, unique talent. So uh, uh, it's my pleasure to have, and he's actually going to stay and kind of co-host. We'll do the guest segment and he'll co-host with me the whole, uh, both segments today. Paul Hembukidis. Paul Hembo or Hembo as everybody knows him. Okay. Grade me. How was that? I, I'll give you like an eight and a half. Like you, okay. you, stuck, the, you stuck the landing, but it's a, it was a, just a little bit shaky. Hembukidis is how it's pronounced. You got closer than most people do, but like you said, almost everybody knows me uh affectionately or not so much so as as hembo so we're I'm, I'm i'm all good if you want to roll with me that way i'm i'm great with that and you know what's funny for me is my last name is only four letters i guarantee you half the world or more cannot spell it I, look, i've got <laughs> autographed jerseys from players and i won't mention who that misspelled my last name that i've done surgery on and they're trying to correct it and it's just four letters, but I would argue it's probably as hard to pronounce or maybe harder than yours. Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. There's nothing's worse than when you're sitting outside of a restaurant, you're holding the buzzer, they call your name over the loudspeaker. And it, the, the, the name that they say is, is so unrecognizable that you're, you're not even sure that it's your table that they're calling. You hope that your, your red <laughs> buzzer is, is vibrating. Otherwise, you have no idea if, if they have a table for you or not. Yeah, well, thanks for giving me the phonetics. I'm not even a professional doing that. I, the, the, the second uh, syllable would have gotten me. I would not have, have, uh, have gotten that. Uh, but uh, yeah, my last name, uh, uh, K-O, this, that, oh, spelling is amazing. C-H-A-O-A-O-U-O-W, everything <laughs> black, you know. Uh, right. Kind of so we're, we're kind of the same that way. All right. So I wanted to have Hembo on because we've never met before. Kind enough to connect over Twitter follow him, love his stuff. And I think what you do is very, very creative and different. So one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on, because it's the Pro Football Doc podcast, and I guess I can do what I want, especially in That's right. And we have some exactly deep right. dives here. And I think it's be fun for the audience to hear from you. And also, I don't know if you know this. Uh, look, they got a sale in the background here. You remember the show? Okay. Trivia for you, Mr. Trivia. Mm. The name of the show he hosted. The name of the show that Junior Seau hosted. Yes. Oh, yes, I got him. That's not ringing any bells for me, man. I, what, I, don't, know if, I don't know if that's because of my age or that's because of my, of my inexperience. But either way, nothing's coming to mind. Uh, it was towards the end of his career. And, okay, it wasn't mainstream. T it was, I think it was Discovery Channel, something like that. Mm -hmm. And he even did it when he rejoined the Patriots, which obviously probably Bill didn't love. And it was a show that I actually liked. He's a good friend of mine, et cetera. And it was called Sports Jobs. Okay. And, and, and I'm just thrilled I got the trivia guy on a trivia question. Uh, you're you're, you're, yeah, you're up 1-0 right now. 
Yeah. So, uh, it, like, take a picture of the scoreboard. It won't last. <laughs> That's one of those things. That's like the 16th seed against the first seed. You got the first basket <laughs> against Gonzaga. Take a picture of that scoreboard and save it for life. It's not going to last. Fair enough. Um, so, his premise was uh, to do shows on people with different jobs in sport. And it was there was a famous episode where he was, he interviewed and figured out what it was like to be a rodeo clown. And he was a rodeo clown himself, uh, you know, changing over the ice in Boston Garden from ice to the, to mm. the uh, Celtic parquet floor. You know, uh, he wanted to do one on medical, but uh, at the time I was still with the team and they didn't want to have that no. <laughs> uh, kind of thing. But, some of these really fun, different jobs in sports. And I feel like if he didn't read, come out of quote, graduation, whatever you call it, retirement, right. he probably would have had a second season and your job would have been one of the ones he would have profiled. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to carry on the tradition a little bit, right? And I think some of this background stuff and stuff is cool. So you're the content producer for ESPN and Get Up and Greeny, et cetera. And you're the trivia master, right? So That's right. tell us how this job evolved, how you got into this. There's no like uh, graduate degree program for what you do, right? There's no <laughs> major for what you do. Uh, so uh, tell us about no. it. So if you had asked me like, I'm 30 now. So if you had asked me say 15 years ago, what my dream job was or what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have said, I want to play shortstop for the Phillies. That obviously was not going to happen. If you had asked me what my runner up choice was, it would probably be something approximating what I'm doing now. Like I, like so many of my friends and people who I'm sure you grew up with too, was just a fanatic sports fan. I grew up in Philadelphia and loved all the teams and watched everything imaginable, you know, read the newspapers in the morning on the way to school, the box scores, like that's kind of, that kind of stuff. But it never occurred to me that a line of work like this existed. And to this day, one, one really does. And I like to, I like to think that in some sense, I've, sort of created a, a niche for myself that might not be something so easy to duplicate, but I got to ESPN and in and, and that role originally was a researcher. So ESPN assigns research, researchers to every show that it does. And as you can imagine, there's a pretty extensive uh, onboarding or training process by which you learn how to use all the tools to find uh, any answer to any question that anyone on TV might want to answer, right? So that's sort of how it starts. And I got my way somehow onto the Mike and Mike staff. Uh, I think it was the spring of 2015. And just sitting there for four hours every day, listening to those guys talk about sports and mostly football, you just hone your skills and you learn to follow along with the conversation and you learn to look things up as they're going. And that really trains you like that teaches you something that's like on the job training that you can't duplicate any other way. So you do that for long enough, you get kind of good at looking up stuff about sports and, and on the radio, we could do all sorts of funny bits and trivia and those kinds of, of things. So over the course of time, um, I, I was lucky enough to have gotten a promotion and now I work on Get Up, the, the morning TV show that you referenced and also Greeny's radio show. And I've been able to pull a lot of those sort of fun research attributes and sprinkle them on to those shows now. One of them is the, the daily trivia question, which is so much fun for us. Another is what we like to call trolling, which is like almost like little text messages that I can pop up onto the screen in real time from wherever I am to supplement anything someone is saying at the time, which is sort of a unique space that as far as I know, I'm the only person at ESPN that can do that or is allowed to do that, which is probably a decision that someone should have <laughs> made against me at some point, but so far I've not gotten myself fired. So when you add all these things on top of each other and all the relationships I've been able to cultivate, it's actually pretty astonishing how many different shows and different 
people on TV or radio that I can have relationships with and impact their shows in fun ways. Just, you know, just having, you know, phone numbers for all these people, I've become something of a resource for all of them, which, you know, can be a lot of work, but at the same time is so incredibly rewarding because anytime I send a note to somebody, it can be on TV or the radio in five minutes, right? It can become a topic of conversation. It can be the basis of an entire discussion. So in some sense, I feel like even though I'm not usually the person talking on the air, I do wield some sort of unique power in the information that I'm able to share. And that is something that is awfully fun and rewarding every time it happens, just like the very first time it happened. It still, you know, happens every day still now. And every time it does, it, it, it gives me this sort of uh, almost like dopamine rush. Like no matter how many times um, I'll get a note on TV or the, you know, on the air in any sense, like, it's like, this is what I want to do. And I love it so much. Like, it's really, it's really that simple. Like it is something of a dream job. And I get that affirmation every single day. Awesome. Well, you, you might be opening up Pandora's box here because there's been many times, whether in get up in the, in the morning or whatever, and Greeny or somebody, and, and, and I love the guys. I mean, I, I, Dan and I, we started a relationship on Twitter. Was, this is before he became big time. I was like, I said, your stuff is so good. You're going to rock it to the top. And he was like, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever. And literally two months later, he's <laughs> like, you know, owns it all. He is awesome. But sometimes I'll text yeah. Dan directly something and he might sneak it in, but now I might text you and, you know, whether it's injury related, it. right? Or it's an injury take or, or, uh, <laughs> or something. You know? So you might live to regret that part. Uh, so I'll tell me it, of your pop-up notes, which one do you regret not putting in and which one do you regret maybe putting up and, and maybe your best one too? Yeah. So those notes that I pop up onto the screen can serve a bunch of different purposes. Like for example, today, Dan Orlovsky was sharing a story in which he and John Kitna went on, you know, in training camp to go play golf, you know, like all the time and sneak out of camp and stuff. And as he was talking about that, I happened to put on the screen that Valiant's team happened to go 0-16. So perhaps they shouldn't have been spending all of their time in, in training camp playing golf instead of trying to win a football game. So that's an example of a fun way to use that, that mechanism. Another way is, just by like, because I text these people throughout the show, uh, I have a good idea what they're going to say. And if they're going to use one of my notes, it's really, it's always fun to, you know, for when we can use Dan as the example, Dan starts talking about how Kyle Shanahan's uh, offense is, you know, predicated upon uh, the quarterback playing under center and using the play action pass. And some note that I have sent him that he'll, you know, regurgitate, I can simultaneously pop onto the screen and reaffirm what he's saying, like in real time, it's sort of like, um, like, you know, his, his, his lips, my, my, my stat, and it, and it just sort of marries each other in a way that no other show can do. And it's just sort of a fun way to do it. I have made a handful of mistakes on, on, on that function because there's no stopping, like, you know, I can literally hit anything and it goes on a TV, right? So like, there's nothing stopping me from, you know, putting in, you know, texting on something outrageous if I'm willing to lose the responsibility. But there have been times where I've, you know, had typos or right, right. I'll, I'll, I'll put time. a dollar yeah. stuff. I'll put a dollar sign and like it doesn't read it properly. So it shows a bunch of coding and that kind of stuff. So I have had to like refine the skill over the course of time, but like, I do like to keep track of how many, you know, shows I can go without making a mistake and I'm doing pretty well right now. But anytime that I'll make one, I always have to humble myself and make sure like no one's reading this before it goes on the TV. So don't take advantage of this, you know, this uh, opportunity that you have and mess it up for, you know, for the next person and for myself in the future. So it is a, it, it, it is fun. And it's also something of an art to time it. And to have the information marry exactly what the analyst is saying. No, that's great. And so that's that's a quite a responsibility, though. A typo, <laughs> or no one screens yep. your content, so you got to think think twice. You know, <laughs> I do that on Twitter sometimes, but it's not as big yeah. a platform as your TV show. Like, ah, should I do this? Yeah. 
Now, mm -hmm. I want to know for Dan, because we all love Dan, did you did yep. you ask him did you ask him when he was golfing that day if he had a foot out of bounds or is he, you know? <laughs> that's it's the gift that keeps on giving. Like that's <laughs> that but the, the great thing is that he's such a good sport about everything. Like Dan occupies a space much. He has all this extraordinary this this gravity as being a a pro for nearly 10 years and all that stuff. But he's also so self-deprecating, which is, I think, a big reason why he's become so popular, especially in the online community, because he's so real and he engages with the audience like you and I are talking right now. Uh, it's really easy when you're on TV or even when you're doing things like this to try and be so polished, like the best, ver like that's not what people gravitate to anymore, right? So Dan's just himself and he's totally cool with you not being cool with it. And that's like, that's probably like, the best quality a person can have working in this medium right now. Yeah, you know, I sort of, you know, my silly stuff. I mean, when I started doing this, literally, I mean, I was on my couch after being, you know, in the league and guy, you know, goes down and I'm like, the announcer says, I think he's going to be okay. He walked off. And I'm like, no, I think he tore his ACL. The season's done. My wife says, tell to someone who cares and sign yeah. up Twitter. I had no idea. But when I started doing it and doing this analysis from my couch, now we're in kind of a you know, uh, a control room, war room, and trying to be more professional, but it's still just video. So when, when people come at me, you're on your couch, how do you know? It's, I'm like, you're right. It's just video. I mean, you know, it's an opinion, uh, maybe informed opinion, but it's based on video. It's not based on an exam. And, uh, you know, you're from Philadelphia. I don't know if you've noticed uh, over time, Philly fans don't like me very much. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's fair. The good That's, news and bad news is I've been trending in Philadelphia on Twitter several times and not always for good news, right? It was, you know, when Carson Wentz went down, you know, and I see that's more than an ACL and his LCL yeah. or, or the multitude of Sixers injuries every time there's, yeah. there's something. And, and I always tell Philly fans, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just, you know. So here's what I'd say. Uh, two things. If, if Philly doesn't like you, take that as a compliment. As, as, a, as a proud Philadelphian, as a fan of the, of the teams in Philadelphia, take it as a compliment. It's not to your detriment. And secondly, I find myself on the same, like, butt of the same thing, but that's, that's just the, like, that's, so you do most of your stuff on Twitter and so do I. Mm -hmm. That's just how people are there. And so long as you can use the medium and take it with a grain of salt, knowing that if any of those people saw you in the street, they would want to take a picture for you, with you and ask for your autograph, you're good with it, but that's just the, you know the the places that that's how how the space is occupied now. So like what I've learned, and I'm sure like you learned, is you 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 occupy a space on Twitter that's very unique, and you're better at what you do than anyone else is at what they do. Um, th that being said, people are still always going to want affirmation instead of information that might uh, be opposite to what they themselves believe. And I very quickly learned like you can't worry about that kind of stuff, right? Like all you have to do is. You know, your job as best you can because ultimately if you do that as well as I mean, you're doing that as well as anybody if not better than anybody else who cares what someone with 321 you know bot followers has to say about you I and mean, at first it's a little bit jarring but over the course of time you sort of learn that's just sort of the well you know I, I, I agree with you and philly's one of those passionate uh, cities oh yeah but exactly. here's what i also say look hembo i i've had gms yell at me like what are you doing why <laughs> is this up and, and you know i i, I on, a, on a bible on, on my kids the honest truth a gm was giving me a hard time about the injuries once and i looked at him in 100 seriousness and said look you have to understand on paul revere i'm not the british <laughs> <laughs> that's good like, but that's actually a really good example because i have been like i don't have the kind of connections in the league that you do but i even so have been surprised at 
how intently front office types, I guess, listen and, and watch. Like they they know what's said. They know what's 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 written in a way that I did not realize that like when I got into this industry, I had no idea they cared so much about public relations in that sense, but they absolutely do. And that's a, a story is a really good example of such. I've had a few instances in which people cared about numbers that I tweeted or shared with someone else to the extent that I could not believe. But I suppose when people have a vested interest in the information not getting out there, it, it stands the reason. Yeah. So when you're doing all this stuff and your trivia questions and all this stuff, how much of it is you just know it because you have that sports encyclopedia in your brain? How much is it that you have to go find it and uh, now maybe verify or how, how does that work? Or is it just all up, up there and you know it? So um, what I like to tell people is I don't know everything, but I know how to find everything. So when you're a researcher, it doesn't do you any good to, I mean, it does you good to know stuff, but I never put anything on TV without checking it first because why wouldn't I? Um, like if you took me to you know trivia night, I I do well, but I might not clean up the way that you expect. But if you ask me to find something obscure, I, there's a better chance that I'll find it than most anybody in the world, right? In terms of because that's my job. I'm a researcher. I'm not a know-it-all. So there's no there's like the 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 knowledge that I have only is useful insofar as what to look up. It's not useful insofar as let's not bother looking up because I trust my you know my memory here or some such nonsense. Like there's no value in that. Um, you know one of the first things that you learn when you join the research department at ESPN is the phrase verify like a champion like you can't check things um often enough and I, I'll never put something on tv from memory like I mean very rarely would I do that so like I I always tell people like I'll find anything for you but I'm not going to pull it off the top of my head so anytime even if you get like a if Greeny will like say Hembo how is this guy's name pronounced even if I know I'll always say stand by I'll double check I won't just regurgitate it because if there's a one in one hundred chance I'm wrong and that ends up on tv that's on me, right? And there's no obvious reason for that to happen unless, you know, we're against the, you know, some sort of time crunch. Right, right. I got it. So, uh, uh, so you're saying that even though you're known as this amazing trivia guy and you stump all these people, you might not win the trivia contest yourself. That's right. So most of my questions, a lot of my questions, I should say, I put uh, on TV because I wouldn't have guessed that the right answer is the right answer. So like a lot of it in the morning for me is just like finding something that I think is interesting or counterintuitive or hard to guess the right answer to, because I mean, I do this every single day. You run out of questions pretty quickly if you're just going off of your knowledge base. Right. So I mean, I've obviously learned a lot over time in doing that, but the more, the much more valuable skill is mm -hmm. to identify what to look up and know how to do it than just to have obtained a lot of knowledge and, and do it quickly. That too. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these things. So, like, if I, you might see some of the notes I'll, I'll throw up on TV, like, let's let's say we we'll use Dan as our example again. Like, he might be giving a sixty-second answer for something. He might start um, talking about something. Might 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 you know something in my brain might be triggered, and by the end of his answer, I have something on the screen, and in the forty seconds in between, that's when I've looked it up and popped it on. Like, that's you ha you have to be able to think that quickly in live television. And over the course of time, I've I've I like to think I've gotten to a place where I can do that well. No, I think it's it's uh, great. I love your stuff and how immediate it is. And I, it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, like back in the day, people were impressed that, uh, you know, when the winner of the Super Bowl, I'm going to Disney World and the next day they'd be there, right? And they'd be right, like, yep. this is within seconds. I mean, <laughs> That's right. Uh, um, it just takes a lot of a lot of reps. And it's a very unique, uh, it's a very unique skill to have. It's probably not going to be that all that useful for whatever I do next, but it works for now.
Well, if it's your dream job, you should be good. So before we, thank you. Hembo is going to stay with it and, and co-host. And, and, and look, if we had the ability to pop up, I'd love to have pop up. So uh, do oral pop-ins as we get okay. to the next segment. But before we close here, I'm going to ask you, a, I'm going to stretch my luck and ask you a second pseudo trivia question. Okay. Uh, what's special about yesterday? About March 28th of 2021? Yeah, March, yeah, about Sunday. What's special about yesterday? I mean, it's kind of a trick question. So <laughs> I don't it remember. Is, it is, is it the anniversary uh, of something significant? Well, sort of. <laughs> uh, it is, let's see. Uh, where am I going here with this? Uh, how do I get March 28th. Screen. How do I get rid of this? screen here what is special about march 28th yeah trying to get it to the screen that i want oh here we go this is what's special it's the annual trolling day for tom brady and everyone against the atlanta falcon <laughs> <laughs> 28 to 3 Fair enough. um that, that remains the most remarkable football game i've ever watched in fact uh it, it's it's I, I don't like to admit it but because i go, wake up so early for all these shows I have to sleep awfully early. And that was a game, I swear. I was sitting up in bed when it was 28 to 3, contemplating turning it off. And I decided I was going to wait one more drive. In that drive, the Patriots scored. I stayed up, and of course, the rest is history. But I can't imagine uh, working on Mike and Mike the next day. <laughs> had I gone to sleep, woken up to learn that they had overcome a 25-point deficit, and I missed all of it. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's starting to be arguable whether Tom Brady's trolling ability in social media game is better than his game on the field. Yeah, <laughs> he's just great at everything, man. The pretty good uh, stuff there. All right, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with some uh, real topics and other things and love to get Hembo's continued contribution. Thanks for listening to the Pro Football Doc Podcast. Quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Pro Football Doc Podcast Part 2. And we're lucky enough to have our special guest co-host, Hembo from Get Up and ESPN, and uh, thanks for uh, staying with us. Uh, what do you think about 17 games now that uh, it's here in, in real? I think it's a much bigger deal than, than people are letting on. I mean, the NFL hasn't changed its schedule since 1970, uh, 1978. It went from 14 to 16 games, and it hasn't played a, an odd number of games, if I'm not mistaken, since 1946. Uh, when they played an 11 game schedule, which seems to bother some people for some reason. Uh, I mean, personally, like as a fan of the sport, it's, it's simple, like more football equals good. Like I, for, that's how I see it. Yeah. I understand it's not nearly that simple for people working in the industry, getting into the industry. It changes the math uh, across the board. It's going to alter the record books substantially. I think what's, what it's also going to do naturally is drive revenues uh, up and thus you're going to see quarterbacks be paid astronomical amounts of money. Like, I think the people that are going to benefit most from it are going to be the quarterbacks and they're not going to be the ones that have to bear the brunt of that 17th game because they're so well protected. I guess that would be my sort of uh, big, a big takeaway from the 17th game, but ultimately it's hard for me to argue that it's a bad thing for the sport given its popularity at the moment. Yeah. I've, I've had a different suggestion for years, but as far as 17 games, as I've thought about it, I, here's what I think is going to happen. I really think the league wanted 18. They just couldn't get to 18. So mm. they take 17 and, and try and get to 18, not in another 30 years, but in another three years, you know, uh, with the health and safety, getting to 18 and an even number wasn't tenable. And I think in the meantime, what they're going to end up doing is that 17th game is going to be a neutral site game. 
uh, mm. you know, uh, overseas, expand the game, and once again, more revenue. The NFL is not dumb, right? They're very, very, very smart. And so what I have uh, always said was uh, my proposal always was to, to, once again, I don't know how to get this. Here we go. Uh, screen to work, share where, where I want it, but whatever, I'll, I'll skip it. I've, I've said that, uh, that I've always felt that a better solution would be a set a 16 game schedule across 18 weeks instead of 17 games across 18 weeks. And you'll probably tell me in two seconds, the last time there was two buys, uh, whatever, a long time ago, uh, that was a different time era. And that's nowadays, back in the day, if the Chargers weren't playing, people in San Diego wouldn't watch football on Sunday. Now you're watching the 10 a.m. game, 1 p.m. game, the night game, the Monday night game, Thursday night game. And so the effect of a buy is not as great. And for health and safety, I mean, imagine if you have a buy week five, you're hurting for one by the end of the season. If you don't have one to week 13, you're waiting for one. I think you could have gone 16 games across 18 weeks and still had the revenue increase because it's all about TV. And, Correct. You know, does it really matter if there's seven games on Sunday at 1 p.m. or eight games or nine games? I mean, you can't watch them all anyways. It would be de minimis and it wouldn't hurt health anymore. It'd still be the same product, the same records. But also think about this. Thursday night football with short rest. If you had two mm. bye weeks, you could make every team that plays on Thursday come off an 11 day rest coming off their bye and still have the 10 days after. And yeah. the health and safety for Thursday games would be gone. And I know this year we had a few midweek games, but if you really did that, you could open up Wednesday night football because if you paired it coming off a bye. And so you mm -hmm. talk about revenue opportunities. I, I always thought that and safety were the way to go, but I don't know. Uh, maybe the NFL is going to do that when they go to 20 games or 20. <laughs> there's, games. there's no obvious reason to me why the double buy wouldn't or couldn't work. Um, you mentioned they did it before. It was 1993. And from what I understand and reading about it, the biggest uh, opposition, the biggest objections were that it watered down the schedule. But like you said, like that was a time before red zone. It was a time before the, the fan was consuming the sport the way that it, that they are now. It's not it's not obvious to me that that would be the case still. That's you know that was it was tried once and only once and clearly not executed the way that they wanted. But I do think that because adding a, adding another buy satisfies the the health and safety issue to to, a, to an extent to which they could reconcile increasing the number of games to eighteen. Um, adding adding the seventeenth game as you I'm sure you've seen lots of players uh, on social media and their objections to it makes the league look as if they don't care enough about it, or at least they care about the money more. And the optics of that aren't ideal. I'm with you. Like I, there's no obvious reason why the second buy couldn't work. And by adding that, you might put yourself in a better position to actually extend the season by, by, by another game and, and thus make even more money than they're doing now trying to cram 17 and 18. Well, let me tell you the first thing players look at when the schedule is released the first thing I look at, the first thing players look at is when's the buy. <laughs> the second thing they look at is um, when are the big games, you know, the mm. Sunday night and Monday, the big games. I can tell you the first thing the wives looked at 
were, are there any Thanksgiving or Christmas games? <laughs> and I can tell you the first thing that I looked at is how many East Coast trips did we have away? Because that would mean I would have to kill my Friday schedule to leave with the team. <laughs> so everyone looked at their different things. But let me tell you, players looked at when the buy was first in huh. general. That's what they... That's wild. Um, that's wild. Uh, that's, uh, you already know the opponents. You just don't know when, right? I mean, yeah. it comes out. So uh, mm -hmm. that, that's cool. uh, a little tidbit there. Um, next topic here, maybe we'll skip over briefly. I've written about it, and I think it's, no matter the outcome, it's just not a happy situation down in Houston. I mean, I hope the truth comes out. I'm not going to impugn any innocence or guilt on any of the parties, but 19 now, 20 lawsuits. One thing I'll say, I did come out and say, and some people thought, Hembo, that I was going against Deshaun Watson. I wasn't. From all things, he's a really good kid, and I've written about it, articles, et cetera. But it's just unusual medically, the medical staff. Massage therapy is part of your medical treatment in some ways, recovery, rehab, and injury prevention. I mean, guys are more likely to fly out their personal massage therapist and stay in the team hotel on the road than use the visiting team recommendations or local recommendations. Because the, the local ones may be very good, but they just don't do the same type that you're used to. And all that hopping around was very unusual. Now, I get it if you're a rookie and you, you're trying to find one you're comfortable with, but this seems to be a pattern. But on the other hand, I think he's getting roasted a little bit where they're all saying the same thing. Hmm. Of course, they're all saying the same thing. They're all filed by the same attorney, right? I mean, the, the lawsuit. So of course, he's using the same language. So I hope it works out for him. But I just wanted to take this podcast to say that I wasn't trying to come at Deshaun Watson. I was just staying in my medical lane and saying, it's unusual to jump around so much. Look, players in the locker room before game, before practice, so let's say four or five athletic trainers taping, and one will have a long line and the other guys won't switch. They're just, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, a rabbit's foot luck or whether they like it a certain way or that's the routine. And if you're doing that to get your ankles taped, the massage therapy in some ways is the same. So it was just a medical comment and not coming at, uh, at uh, Jimmy, coming, coming at Deshaun Watson at all. Next thing I want to do is I'm going to talk about the big trade that happened. And uh, the big trade uh, that happened was a, uh, 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 with the San Francisco 49ers. One of the things that we did is we did this podcast here. This is with Lonnie Paxton on February 1st. And essentially, we'll play it here. I think he's able to play and he's a tough guy. But forget the rumors that the 49ers put in a bid for Matthew Stafford. Okay, a lot of teams do that, okay? But think about this. Think about hiding behind health. Jimmy Garoppolo was injured week two, first quarter. I still remember it. We were in this room, saw it, and said, oh, that's a high ankle. Hopefully, it doesn't, you know, that could be a problem. He stayed in the game, said, hope it doesn't get tight on him. Halftime, he left the game. This was week two. Week five, he returned for the 49ers, didn't finish the game, didn't play that well, perhaps rushed it a week. Week six and week seven, he played fine greater than 250 yards on that ankle. Week eight against the Seahawks, re-injured the ankle. Didn't really take that big of a hit by video. 
and was said to be out four to six weeks, no surgery. This is week eight. And he disappeared. And look, I get it. The 49ers were out of it by six weeks left, whatever. But remember, when they were essentially out of it, they brought back George Kittle from the cuboid fracture. And there were updates about Kittle. But Garoppolo was just forgotten. Is there hiding behind health there? Look, I don't think the first time he missed three weeks, call it four because the week five didn't count. The next time he disappeared for nine weeks because of the bye two. And there wasn't a word about him. Now, is this related to contract where I think he can get out of the, the 49ers can get out? But if he were hurt, well, in any case, that's that's uh, I'm gonna stop that there. Mark my words here, there's more to Jimmy G going here here. than anything, right? Best believe it, yes. So, suffice it to say, Lonnie, who's friends with Jimmy G, even agreed with me. I compare the Jimmy G situation like Jared Goff. When Jared Goff didn't start that game, people gave me grief that playoff game in Seattle. It's like he's can start, but obviously, he came in in the first quarter and finished the game. And what told me the Rams had soured on Jared Goff was they didn't activate Blake Bortles. Nobody goes into a playoff game with one and a half quarterbacks. If they weren't sure about Goff's health, they would have started Wolford but activated Bortles. But they didn't activate Bortles and Goff indeed finished the game. That told me whether Goff is here and Wolford is here or Wolford is here and Goff is here, that they were closer than you thought. And now the trade Jimmy G I'm not saying he won't be with the 49ers, but obviously no one trades up to three to not get a quarterback. So his, I mean, he's Alex Smith with Patrick Mahomes being drafted, or he's, I mean, he's probably, maybe he's still be on the roster this year or maybe not. I don't know, but clearly he's fallen out of favor. And by looking at the ankle injury, I think, and that was what over a month ago, six, eight weeks ago, you could tell that there was something not quite right there. So, um, but maybe this will spur him on. I mean, uh, I wrote last week when Drew Brees retirement, how, and you can look it up, how that getting Phillip Rivers spurred him on ultimately to, because he wasn't great. And that's why we drafted or drafted slash traded for Phillip Rivers, right? Drew had lost his starting job year three to Doug Flutie part of the time. And then we got in Rivers, and then he really – so maybe Jimmy G will will do the same thing. Any thoughts on that? Or Yeah, in your judgment, do you believe that the 49, 49ers souring, as you put it, on Garoppolo is health-related, is performance-related, or some combination thereof? Because the data suggests that when he's healthy, they're good, really good. And uh, obviously he's missed 23 games in the last three seasons, and that's a massive data point. But is that predictive in your judgment or is that just kind of fluky? Because, you know, to me, like Kyle's proven he can win with all sorts of different quarterbacks and to move heaven and earth to, you know, take the third best quarterback in this year's draft is sort of a rebuke on Jimmy Garoppolo, as you put it. Well, I hate the term injury prone. Uh, the, anyone who plays football is injury prone. <laughs> it's not a contact sport. It is a collision sport, much different. And Jimmy Garoppolo's injuries, the high ankles and the ACL were collisions and hits. And I always said, 
My friend Philip Rivers has a long streak. Matthew Stafford, very tough guy, has had his injuries, but quite a streak as well. Eli Manning stayed healthy, but it's staying in the pocket and getting rid of the ball is how you stay healthy. I don't care if you're Cam Newton and this extreme athlete, bigger than most players and faster, there's 11 of them trying to hit you and only one of you. So I don't care how big you are. And Jimmy G, and I said that after this, remember the first ACL, he, was tr he got the first down. He could have just gone out of bounds. To his credit, he was trying to do more and trying to get that extra three or five yards is how he tore his ACL. The high ankles came from extending plays instead of throwing the ball away. So maybe it's a matter of that. But, and, and I know people also say, well, they of course lost faith in Jimmy G because in the fourth quarter of that Super Bowl against the Chiefs, he didn't, they didn't trust him to throw the ball. I don't know. Or was that Kyle Shanahan reliving 28 to three where he got criticized for throwing the ball, right? I mean, was that lack of faith in Jimmy G or his remembering the nightmare of that Super Bowl with the Falcons where he should have been more conservative and he was. So I don't know if that's the moment they soured on Jimmy G. But at some point in time, look, I'm not saying they hate him. He's there. There's he still may be the day one starter, but clearly long term, they're not believing in him. And that's all I was sort of uh, saying. But thanks for asking that injury question. I don't I don't buy that. Look, Tony Romo. I've talked about this a lot. Look, Dak Prescott injured on a quarterback draw out of the pocket. When Aaron Rodgers has been injured, it's been standing plays or out of the pocket. When Tony Romo broke his collarbone, broke his back, did all these things. It was what Tony was one of what the best play extenders around and he would get hurt extending plays. So as you get older, you think you can get away with that, but you're that slit second slower and you get caught and you get hurt. Like I thought Tony Romo could have still played, but he'd have to change his game to not be the play extender, right? Extending plays is where all the risk is. And so I think that's, that's my take on that. And what's curious is that the quarterback run game is more popular now than ever. Like there were nearly 10,000 rush yards last year by quarterbacks, which is more than a 50% increase from just five years ago. So teams are doing that math themselves and still deciding we're willing to take that chance because there's so much value can be added in the quarterback run game. It's a curious dynamic because what you're saying is irrefutable. But what's also true is that you're seeing evidence of teams prioritizing the quarterback run game because of how much value that it provides and taking that chance with it. And my compromise would be if I were still in the league, I would lobby the coaches and people to say, look, yes, you want a mobile quarterback and you want him to run out of necessity, mm. not as part of the offense. In other words, mm. running on third down is fantastic. It's third and eight. You get that first down. That's key. So limit your exposures, limit the times you take that double black diamond ski run. Don't ski that start to finish. Don't make that part and parcel of your offense, make it running out of necessity at, you know, at the right time, as opposed to on a regular basis, running a quarterback draw on first down, you know, um, right. you know, being more controlled with what it is uh, kind of situation and not RPO right off the bat or whatever, mm. because no question it's effective. And I would argue it might be more effective as a change of play pace, but Look, the more ski runs you take, the more likely you're going to be injured, right? And the more times you run that quarterback, you know, uh, uh, way back when I, I learned this, it's, it's all about avoiding hits. 
It's not about being tough taking hits. Let's say a running back carries the ball 20 times. Let's say you know the stats better than me. You probably could recite them. Let's say he runs out of bounds four times. So there's 16 times he's taking a hit. Sometimes by one player, sometimes a bunch, some harder than But out of those 16 times he's taking a hit, he's probably hit by eight different guys. Mm. But the running back is taking 16 hits. Right. From eight different guys. So they're <laughs> sore as you are, right? I mean, is, is, there, is there a quarterback in the league right now that you think avoids hits better than, than any other? Which is to say, a team could justify him running the ball 10, 12, 15 times a game because um, the avoidance of that, he's so effective that you can nullify the risk in part because it's a part of his repertoire. Well, I, three names immediately come to mind, and I'm not mm. saying that whatever. One, I guess technically he's not in the game right now, is Philip Rivers. Because he gets rid of the ball. Because he's not mobile. <laughs> okay? I mean, he would tell you that. But he gets rid of the ball. Okay? Mm. So he tries not to take the hits. He'll make the read and say, let's go. Get rid of it. The second one I'd say is, so far, he seems to avoided anything. Because he is so fast and so good. And, like, you know, a speed faster than everyone else on the field. Lamar Jackson. I mean, yeah. you have to mention to hit him. No one's caught him yet. Now, over time, of course, he's going to have to slow down. So is it sustainable? I would argue no. But for right now, it's certainly working great, right? So he's one. But I would say, believe it or not, um, Patrick Mahomes, and I'll even throw in Tom Brady, just because they're just, you know, they're the pinnacles of the game. Patrick Mahomes truly runs the ball. But look at, I took the over rushing yard prop in the Super Bowl because I didn't believe in the Chiefs offensive line and the scrambles. He hit it in the first quarter. But yeah. those planned rushes, those were, mm -hmm. I'm trying to make something happen. So those, I think, are okay, right? They're not part of the deal. So I think the Chiefs use Patrick Mahomes pretty well. And he's so special that no one runs at him hard because they think he's going to do some Mahomes magic, right? And so they're respecting that. So he holds them at bay. He runs fairly safely, uh, you know, even with the turf toe and the previous patella. And I'll take another example. Like everyone says Tom Brady's a great rusher in the sneaks. Once again, he does it off a of necessity. He doesn't do it as part of the regular offense. It's fourth and one, and he gets the snap count where the A-gap's not covered, and, and he gooses the center, and he sneaks. And so out of necessity, not out of – and, of course, he's not the greatest running quarterback out there. Like we've seen mm. him out in a pass pattern and, you know, <laughs> dropping the ball. So I, that's just my medical take on, on it, but I'm not trying to be a coach or, or anything. Are you getting a vaccine or are you, if you get offered one? Uh, yes. My, my dad was a pharmacist. I was supposed to be a fourth generation pharmacist and instead I'm doing this, but that makes me a failure. That, that also makes me obligated to get a, to get the vaccination whenever, uh, whenever that becomes available uh, to me. Just to circle back real quickly because you brought it up. Um, last season, just to make your point about how many hits these guys are taking, um, only about 8.8% of rush attempts last season were such that the runner was untouched, was not contacted, which is to say it's very difficult to manage. To, like, even, if you're, even if your quarterback is doing so shrewdly, it's still very, very challenging for him to avoid. Even one out of 10 is a, is a, is a better than league average rate in that sense. So I was able to look that up during, uh, just during the last few minutes. Christian, my producer, I'm talking to him. You, we couldn't have uh, Hembo do the pop-up there? That would have been great. <laughs> Watch it. Uh, no, that's that that's awesome. No, the, the footnote on vaccines is that uh, there was news this week that uh, players will not be required to take it. 
And I just chuckled at that because there's no way you can require anyone to get an injection invasive of a substance into their body. Force someone to have surgery, even though it's indicated, you cannot force someone to have a vaccine. When, when, you know, every year we would do the flu vaccine, the regular flu vaccine back in the day, we couldn't get all the players to do that. Uh, mm. The highest we got was maybe 80%. Wow. And lobby the team and say, uh, there's no, like, I, I'm fine. I'm not going to be sick. I don't want to take it. And they also didn't want to risk maybe getting sick for a day afterwards. Right. And so I would have to say, well, look, I'm taking the flu vaccine. You should too. And well, it still would no, be nowhere near hundred percent. So I think mm. the NFL is smart not to even go down that path uh, kind of thing. And um, you ever come to Qualcomm stadium? Never been there. And you never will at this point in time. Um, <laughs> um, showing the video here. This is the last light stanchion at Qualcomm Stadium. And it is now flat land. There is nothing. Oh, there. my goodness. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't the greatest stadium in the world, but I, I don't know. A uh, little touching to me. Like, you know, I still call it Qualcomm, right? People call it Jack Murphy, SDU mm. Stadium, but Qualcomm. And, and uh, yeah, so that, that's a little bit sad. But we'll finish off here, uh, Hembo, with, uh, and jump in any time. We'll do two fun videos here. What happened here? During this regular season, I have something called, um, you know, Beast of the Week. Like Dak Prescott breaking his ankle picking his leg up, slamming it to try and straighten the ankle and then realizing it doesn't work. I mean, he's a beast for doing that. So this is just some fun videos of what happened here and uh, that people send me. The first one I will show you here. Uh, I actually worked WWE, believe it or not. That's one of the other things that I, uh, hmm. that I had done over time. And uh, uh, so I just thought this is a fun little video. That kick's okay. That one hurts. <laughs> now, now watch this here. Look at how dad saves him, not only with his big pillow belly, but look at his right arm. Oh, yeah, with the catch, preventing injury. That's a well-trained dad with WWE and, and avoiding, and I think both of them avoided real injury <laughs> until, until and unless mom sees the video, then dad might be injured. <laughs> yeah, th this video trending is probably bad news for him. I'm sure his wife will come across it at some point. Yeah, and uh, that, <laughs> but, but he can argue safe because he put the arm up as well as the big pillow. That, that's quite the off the top rope tumble. But here's one that is an anniversary. And uh, here, Rand <laughs> remember this one? Randy Johnson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not PETA. I don't want PETA to come after me, but you know, they say, you know, on a golf course, the tree is 90% air. This is amazing. It looks like the bird is 90% air, right? I mean, <laughs> the ball gets through. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> it wasn't a strike, but it made it all the way to the backstop. I mean, yeah, this is the only, I mean, baseball's been been played in since about 1870 in organized fashion and this is the only instance of this kind that's been recorded to my knowledge which is to say it's ex it's so incredibly rare but the fact that it was randy johnson makes it so makes it perfect really i mean the, he threw it so hard the bird practically disintegrated i think there's a good chance we never see it again in our lifetime no that's that's obviously <laughs> uh, 
Tembo, thank you so much. Thanks for joining me. I mean, we don't even know each other and you're so kind to come on. I love your stuff. You're trailblazing. And yes, sports jobs. I'm 1-0 against Tembo trivia. Yeah. You know, so since I sneakily got out without you asking me a trivia question, because hey. I <laughs> it's your podcast man your rules house rules here <laughs> all right uh, anything else you want to plug or say to everyone before we sign off thanks for co-hosting and the whole deal it was a pleasure man uh again we're, i'm on get up every day eight to ten o'clock eastern uh here on the east coast and then on greenies radio show 10 to 12 o'clock eastern on espn radio so we're having a good time with it lots of fun talking football in the off season and i'm uh hopeful that you and i can do this again sometime maybe soon anytime thank you again hembo appreciate you all right, that's it for the Pro Football Doc podcast for this week. Uh, I hope you found that a fun segment. It met all my expectations. I, I knew it would be fun. And uh, I got the shout out to my guy, Junior, for sports jobs, too. So that's good. I love carrying on that uh, tradition. Thanks a lot. And thanks for listening to the Pro Football Doc podcast.